Welcome to Keepers of the Word. Thank you for coming back and joining us. You're here with Mike, Ron, and James. Hello. So tonight we are going to be talking about giants. Do you have any shout-outs that we want to give out? Shout-outs, shout-outs, shout-outs. I want to give shout-outs to my usual, all the metaphysical swords out there. We got Green Man and Crooked Path, Points of Light, Phrase Hermetic Supplies, Dragon in the Rose, Everybody else that I'm missing because there's a lot of people out there. What about you, Mike? I want to say thanks to Road and Sweetwater, our um, sponsors. We appreciate them for this equipment to be able to do what we do. That's Correct. for sure. So I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead and finish. No worries. So tonight we have special production here. So we're going to talk about giants. So uh, giants, Nephilim. Anakim, Ruffits, uh, um, all kind of specters, all the different characteristics, ranks, lineages, and stories of who, whom they are and what they did. What is the Rephaim? The Rephaim are a specific type of, or a lineage of giants. So you got different, different families, large families. You have the Rephaims, you have specters, you have the Anakim, uh, all kind of stuff like that. So they kind of get breaking up. Pretty much like who lived where, these people dwell in this area. So you had refiums in a certain area and for biblical terms or in biblical areas. So you were talking earlier about how the different um, lores and, you know, within the uh, the Norse and all of that type yeah. of stuff had theirs. Would, would the different giants have been fit, in those fit. different areas for... Those people to tell their specific stories of the giants, or uh, the older back that you go, yes, so, so you start seeing that. So I think what with what to echo what you're saying is, say Norse mythology and Greek mythology. They, they one had Titans, the other had Jotun. Correct. Right? So would they be included? Do you think they would be included in that lore? Yeah, because the world has one story to tell. There's one planet. This was a planetary story that was going on. So when people talk about this and talk about, oh, in biblical times, and they think only in the biblical areas, that that was not true. You know, this is happening all over the world. Um, this is a, a world event that's taking place. This is why this is echoing through our cultures and our lineages and our stories, people around the world. You know, you have people talking about giants all over the planet that never had any communication with each other or extremely little. But they have the same stories or something very, very similar, just in their own versions. Like over here in California, we may be talking about some event in a California terms or something. In the East Coast, they may be talking about it, and you know, in an East Coast version of right. that. 
but yeah, this, these, uh, these guys were everywhere. This is why you know, I kept seeing these guys in all my studies as a child growing up and became obsessed with them and started reading about them and studying them, tracing them throughout history and cultures and stuff like that. So I think, you know, before we get into that part, we could probably talk about Norse mythology and Greek mythology. So in Norse mythology, we have Emir, a giant so massive that God's constructed an entire world from his corpse, which is Midgard, which is technically where we're at right now. Correct, right. Earth. So there were giants bigger than him. Uh, Skrymir? Skrymir? Yes, Skrymir. Mm-hmm. You want to say it right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? So... He, I, I believe Thor spent a night sleeping inside one of his gloves, and he tells Thor that when he gets to Utgard, he will meet giants who are still bigger. Wow. That's... There was a lot. So, you know, when they talk about the frost giants and stuff like that, that Thor would fight. Not uh, to mention Thor and Odin are half giant. They are. Right. They are. But they are smaller versions. So, so this is where you get uh, the smaller giants that still have the same might has the same uh, bigger size giants. But uh, these were the demigods, these right. little superheroes that started running around that were like a human size almost, um, bigger in stature than us, probably, probably about seven to nine feet tall, running around doing stuff, superhero stuff. Hmm. Go Marvel, huh? So if we go to Greek mythology, you have Kronos and <laughs> Kronos, Gaia the ribs and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's technically the same thing if you look at it from that perspective. It, it is. Um, even Kronos' ribs... Like if you, you know, there's, you know, stories of Hercules going and finding these ribs, uh, you know, in his journeys, and, and they were massive. Uh, he didn't realize what they were because he was walking amongst them by his rib cages. So pretty, pretty freaking cool, man. So Alchemist wrote, many lore, many experiences, just like the story of Beowulf, also as explained in the Book of Eaters of the Dead by Triton. Triton? Right. So, you know, Beowulf, you know, you, you have uh, a superhero figure, an avatar figure, demigod figure who goes around and does um, feats like Hercules. You have, um, and also Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh would be the first one. Yeah. So very, very similar. They all do the same thing. They combat with giants. They are giants. And a lot of them question how much giant are they? You know, what percent like Gilgamesh is? You want to know what part God am I? Would I live forever? Or will I just live for a long time and then I die? You wanted to find out. So that's, that's the whole journey of Gilgamesh is figuring out what part uh, god that he is or what part giant. Hmm. Interesting. Really, really cool. I just want to uh, jump in real quick and say what's up to Al Kimmet. Uh He's one of our VIP viewers. Um, Watch out. For all of you viewers out there right now, um, we, we, we do give statuses to, to our people. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, Al Kimmet's a, a VIP. He's been around since the first show. He's always active. So yep. thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So along in the chat, you guys can go ahead and ask questions. We'll address them as we're going along. But, you know, when we have our topic going and running, we'll we'll try to get to that. All right. So we're going to jump into giants. Who are they? What are they? Yeah, what are they? What are they? So basically the giants that we're talking about are the Nephilim are going to be the mixed hybrid from the Watchers mixing with the Daughters of Man. And we find this in Genesis 4-6. Uh, so basically, um, they are roaming around. Uh, Genesis 6-1 through 2, and it came to pass, when man began to multiply upon the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. 
that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So this leads us to where they are like, hey, this is a really cool idea that's going on. I really, we really enjoy these daughters of men. So they were worried that each one would tell on each other back at home and get in trouble for what they're doing down to terrestrial planes. So they devised this plan. This, uh, this watcher by the name of Shemyaza basically says, hey, I would love to go and partake in that, but I feel as though you're going to tell on me if I do it. So why don't we both, why don't we all go do it at the same time? We make a, a pact, a deal. And so they and went to, guilty. right. So if I'm guilty, you're all guilty, yeah. right. So what ends up happening is uh, they go to Mount Hermon. What is Mount Hermon? Mount Hermon is a place in the book of Enoch in Enoch 6 where the watchers made the bad pact to descend to earth to take the daughters of man for themselves as wives. Um, and this is where everything just goes downhill, basically. Mistake number one. <laughs> yeah. The you know, daughters of man. Let's go party. You know, so they were... They want to go down and hang out and uh, partake of the fruits, basically. And uh, that's where they got in trouble, you know. And if you guys read the book of Enoch's by uh, R.H. Charles, a 1917 version, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, Samyaza basically just talks about going down there. And uh, he says, come, let us choose us wise from among the children of men and beget us children. So this is where we get the, the Nephilim from. And the Nephilim gets broken up into different uh, different groups, which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, what else? So we have the Watchers. We got Shemyaza, just to name a few. We have uh, Shemyaza, who is the leader of the Watchers. We have Azza, who is the angel who objected to Enoch's transformation into Metatron. He's pretty popular. People should know who he is if you guys are into Metatron. We have Azazel. Everybody knows Azazel from Hollywood and the movies and Fall in the movie, which is a really great movie. Uh, he's the angel who later opposes um, Enoch's uh, transmutation as well, and he's the one who also taught uh, uh, humans how to make knives, sword shields, women makeup, and, and a bunch of all chemical things and stuff like that. Serial uh, taught humankind about the courses of the moon, and at one time regarded as forbidden knowledge, um, esoteric knowledge. Wink, wink. Uh, Yekwan, uh, his name is He Shall Rise, was the ringleader her first, who first tempted the other watchers into having sexual relations with humans. So basically, Yekwan here went down, dabbled, was like, this is the bomb. You guys are going to love this. Come check this out. So he's the one who kind of, the ringleader who, who really messed up everything. But Shamyaza being the leader was like, all right, I'm going to get in on this. But I should take the lead on this. And if anyone's to blame, it should be me. So we have a special guest today. I want to introduce him. He's ready and ready to jump on. His name is Brother Joe Martinez, Passmaster. Hey, Joe, can you hear us? Yep. How do I sound? Amazing. Sounds Sounds great. great. Of course I do. What's going on, brother? Awesome. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Where do you hail from, Joe? I I currently have roots in the uh, Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area. I've been living here for the last few years. Uh, grew up in New York and uh, was in the Army for a bit and traveled around a bit, but we finally set up shop here in, uh, in Northern Virginia, and that's where we've been since um, 2007, I think. So, Very beautiful out there. Indeed. Awesome. So we're talking about the big people. The big and, people. Uh, what, what's and your, what's your opinion on this? So I uh, 
I know we talked about this uh, before we started the podcast, and um, so I definitely have read the different books of Enoch, even though we can't mm-hmm. really call them the books of Enoch, right? right? That's their their modern name. Um, they really are just different collections of scripture that um, have been cobbled together by you know modern researchers and and categorized into different books based on their date, right? So uh, definitely have poured into those quite a bit. Some of my favorite apocryphal reading. Um, and I don't get to read it in church on Sunday, obviously, <laughs> but um, yeah, they definitely touch on you know the story of you know those, those quote unquote bigger people that um, you brothers were talking about before I jumped on, um, and I was being nosy and listening the whole time. So, uh, but it definitely covers the Nephilim, uh, the Anakim somewhat, and you know the Rephaim ever so gently, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're referenced in passing more than anything else, right? Um, the location, yeah. In the canonical scriptures, so, but we find more information about them in rabbinical texts and the Talmud and some, you know, pseudepigraphal Christian books and things like that. So there's definitely more to them, you know, outside of you know what you get when you go to your your service on Saturday or Sunday. So oh, definitely for sure, yes. It's not like they're going to expand on that. No, right? No. So uh, in expansion, can you expand on? Some of those, the those ne- the Nephilim, yes. yeah, we could we could break down. So just to quote some of the, the famous ones that you can find in the Bible. So they are in the Bible; they're kind of hidden. Uh, they do try to word it or glance over them, but um, I went and handpicked out every spot where they actually speak about giants because I'm that kind of guy. I'm picky. So we can talk about Arba. Arba is pretty damn cool. Arba means giant strength and uh, cube, or the number four, and uh, Arba basically means the name four. Um, it's a symbol of great strength and stability, characterized by the square and the cube. Uh, he was the father of Anak. So Anak comes along. Uh, his name uh, means the long neck giant or the collared neck, which is kind of cool because uh, he's the son of Arba. When you get the collared neck, this is where we get references to them being enslaved for building. Um, this is where we get, uh, you have Solomon talking about using them, the jinn and, and all these other people uh, that were men of mighty renown, you know, they had super great strength and they would use them as like forklifts and stuff like that. And they were, they were actually enslaved. And a lot of um, people at that time, they would get together and try to enslave some of these giants as workhorses. We had the Philistines doing this forever to fight the, uh, the Hebrews. How did they do that? How did they get away with it? Though? So I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> okay yes. All right. So yeah. uh, we have an example. Uh, I can't quote off the top of my head right now, but uh, you have the brothers of, David. So after David kills Goliath, David's like four brothers or five brothers are like, hey man, we got to go kill the other giants, uh, his brothers, because they want want revenge. It's really funny because the first one he, they go and they, they try to get, uh, he's a refium. I forget his name. I think I may have it in here. He's like, oh, you guys killed uh, Goliath? Good. I don't like that guy anyways. He has no care. He's like, I just want to be here with my sheep. Just leave me alone. I don't want nothing to do with you guys. This is the Valley of the Rephium. This is my valley. Stay out of my valley. So what they did to kill this poor guy, um, I think he was like nine feet tall. So they would develop these spears that were very long. And they would get a group of men, and they would stab the giants on each side and basically um, put them into the ground so he couldn't move. And then they had one really fast guy that was really good with a sword that would run up from behind and cut off the head of a giant. So this was a team effort. They use a group of people, 
uh, like 10 or more. And they would sit there, imagine, you know, he's trying to rip these stakes out of the ground because they're pinning him all the way around. Um, it's really pretty horrible. But they, uh, the, um, David's, uh, David and his brothers went around killing the last known, at least what they thought was the last known uh, giants in the areas that they were around for no real reason except for some very other conspiracy theories about why they were doing that and stuff like that. So, um, poor guy. So, yeah. Then we got uh, Ayman, one of the great sons of Anak, whom uh, Caleb and the Israelites, uh, Israelite spies saw in Mount uh, Hebron when they went to explore the Promised Land. Uh, this is when they came back and, and they tell um, uh, Moses, uh, we were like grapes in the eyes of the giants. This is a very famous uh, scene. Uh, most people don't know Moses had two of them killed. And the third guy goes, what? He, they asked the third guy, what did you see? Oh, they were fine. They were normal people. We can go there. He, he didn't want to die. So basically it was treason what they were committing, causing fear and dissent amongst the people. So they had them executed before they went into Land of Canaan and, and took over. Uh, and then real quick, we have Shasai, which means uh, six. Mercy, Flax, uh, was a clan of Anakim living in Hebron, named for a son of Anak in the Bible. Uh, the clan was driven out by Caleb, again, and the tribe of Judah. This is when they went into uh, Canaan. And the last one is uh, Talmai, the son of Anak. His name in the Bible refers to the number of a minor people. So he had, they had their own clans, you know. They, had, they were thriving. They were living with humans, um, interacting with humans, dealing, trade, all kind of cool stuff. So, Joe, um, do you have anything to add to what James just put out there? No, James uh, kind of hit a lot of the big points. I mean, they do show up numerous times. Um, I think he mentioned the very first time in Genesis uh, 6. Six uh, one they're two, actually yeah. referenced in verse 4. That's the first yeah. time, and that's where the the knock and boots part comes in, right? Where, oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Nitty gritty. Yeah. The, the sons of God are, which which people purport to be most likely angels. Right, right. right? Um, it doesn't call them that in most of your modern translations, right? They say sons no, of God. No. Um, translating it to to angels, and then um, and then the Nephilim show up, and then. But to your point, the Nephilim show up quite a few times. I think it's in Numbers. Yes, um, a lot numbers. Yeah, uh, they show up the most there. Uh, talking about their height and their size and things like that. Um, and then the the verse that you were talking about, I think you, I think you said grapes. Um, I thought it was something to the effect of uh, that they appeared to be like grasshoppers to them. Grasshoppers, um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's how I remember it. I'm sorry. Yes, it's grapes, and they they brought back grapes, but they they said we looked like grasshoppers in their grasshoppers eyes, and the them, weaver yeah, beam absolutely. and all that stuff. His bed is why is a weaver beam? Yep. Um, but you're right. Moses wasn't super cool with most of their answers so um, no <laughs> yes a couple of them died but uh then they show up in i think deuteronomy a bit more and, uh-huh. and now we're talking about the anakim right um yeah. or the, the sons of anak um, yeah. and that's where they get their name from but they are again those d- depending on what book you read they could be you know the sons of anak who was a potentially a nephilim or um it could be just another race of that hybrid human divine You're demigod them, i guess yeah. you could call it um mm-hmm. I heard the discussion earlier when you were likening them to other demigods in, in other cultures. Um, and that, that makes a little bit of sense. You know, you have, you know, Heracles or Hercules, who is demigod, right? He's half god and half yeah. mortal. Um, and he's kind of stuck in this limbo between both. And there's many other examples in other cultures of these demigod 
archetype where they're half divine mortal themselves but your traditional biblical texts don't ever go out and say that right? oh that's kinda, no way that's kind of against the the status quo mm-hmm. of, of the story right to, mm-hmm. to have these in-between forms but if you know if you read other rabbinical texts or if you get into the talmud, talmud midrash the talmud, there's a lot more story mm-hmm. there right that just didn't make it into scripture um mm-hmm. but i have my own opinions on how official scripture forms you know of course get into you're right right that's a whole nother episode <laughs> so we, you know we, we have so many different uh things uh, topics you know so that was the watchers um and we, we went over to watchers mount Hermon. uh what else did we talk about we, we always got to bring up the flood you know because the flood was a huge portion of the nephilim and what happened to the giants and stuff like that um i had most people don't know about the flood except for the stories that we see on, on Hollywood or TV, the cartoons that we see as a kid if you're raised Catholic or in a Christian uh, church. Um, just some pointers out there. It rained for 40 nights and for 40 days. Pretty cool. The flood lasted 150 days before the waters actually receded. These are all just straight from the Bible. Uh, how old was Noah when the flood happened? In Genesis 7-6, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Um, so just nice little tidbits of the flood and just little things that people don't normally get to hear about or they miss or glance over it. Oh, real quick. We got a question from Arukan G. <clears throat> As the sons of God procreated uh, with the daughters of men, do you believe that those genetics are imprinted on modern human DNA? So when people talk about this part, they talk about us having the, the extra pinky, the extra six fingers. They're reported to have six fingers and six toes, um, which kind of run through other mythologies that talk about them, which is kind of weird, you know. Um, and also, like, you know how like, people have the little tail at the end? If they're born, they have extra appendages and stuff like that. Vestigial tail, yep. Yeah, and they talk about uh, extra rows of teeth and stuff like that, or extra molars, believe it or not. So when people have extra molars, they say that 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 person supposedly could be have some piece of that DNA. I actually have extra molars myself. My dentist flipped out and said that he's never actually come across anybody that had extra molars and that I was an anomaly. I'm like, great, pay me now. And, and you know the six digits is actually a lot more common than you realize. Right, it it's out there. It's, it's, I've actually met somebody with six toes yeah. on each foot. They call them six toe? No. Well, but every time you, every time he had flip flops on, everybody would always look at his toes. We have, we have another guy. From, he's on Facebook Live, uh, Derek Craig. After the the fallen took wives, where did they go? Did they yeah. hide and simply watch from a far place on Earth? No, they were out in the open. They were partying. They were living. They were building cities. They were doing all kind of things. Uh, when we talk about where uh, Lilith, when she took off from the Garden of Eden after she told Adam no that the true name of God flew up and flew over the walls of Eden. She went and dwelled where the uh, fallen angels were at, not the, the children of, the, of them, but um, like Azazel and stuff was over there, and that would be in the Dead Sea area. They were actually living around the Dead Sea area, so she flew over there to go have um, protection from, from God's wrath and his angels, the three angels that he sent after Lilith. So they were hanging out over there, and then also the area would be... Um, would be Arba. Arba has a huge area where I believe it was called like Arba. I forget the actual area where they lived in, but you can, uh, to this day, it's still, uh, actually the Golan Heights, I'm sorry, Golan Heights, the, the giants were always in that area forever, as far back as you can go. They were always in that area. 
And these are the areas surrounding Mount uh, Hermon. It's pretty cool. What of King Og? King Og. I was going to get to that. Joe, do you have King Og? Please talk about King Og. He's one of my favorite. I know a little bit about him. Um, Yeah, so uh, Og uh, was, uh, again, briefly mentioned. Um, And most scholars ascribe Og to being one of the last Rephites, right? Um, Right, correct. Of of that line. So you had all these giants throughout the land of Canaan. um, And and to your point, they they were interspersed. You know, uh, you had the Nephilim. You had the Anakim, and you did have the Rephaim, and they they lived in the same fertile crescent that you mm-hmm. know uh, everyone else did, and they were fighting for land and fighting for water and fighting for mm-hmm. places to plant crops. And um, most of them were farmers. What's that? Most of them were farmers or herders. Yeah, they were doing their thing. They yeah. weren't, uh, you know, being all giant-y and <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> killing everybody. You know, they're, they're doing their doing own their thing, thing. You know, um. So then uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy where you see that basically Yahweh turns Og over to the Israelites and says, this is all yours. You can have whatever he has. Um, I believe he was the king of Bashan, I think it was. Yes. And, um, right. And he was, again, one of the last remnants of, of the Rephaim. And uh, I think there was something in Deuteronomy as well that specifically talked about the size of his bed, how it was many, much many right. more cubits than than a normal size bed, as if that's relevant to them getting exterminated. Um, so, yeah, you go into uh, basically how a Deuteronomy and then Joshua, you know, talk about how these giants, and this is the first time you you see the word giants uh, in the Septuagint. Uh, and for those who don't know, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible or mm-hmm. the Tanakh. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's when they started translating the Hebrew words like Nephilim and Anakim into just the common gigantus in Greek. Mm-hmm. So there's, that's what started a lot of the arguing uh, amongst different scholars saying, well, you know, if they translated this into giant and this into giant, then it must all mean giant. But they were in Hebrew, they're separate terms, right? And they had separate meanings. And they were talking about specifically separate people so you know i'm not a big fan of more modern translations of things in general you know the of more course. you translate something yeah. the more you lose Lost its in original intent. right and, and and you know it's when you translate from hebrew that that gets expounded on 10 times over mm-hmm. right because hebrew has so many extra meanings to it i actually start learning biblical hebrew next wednesday i start my class mm-hmm. so i'm super looking cool. forward to that that's gonna be hard but um uh, yeah, but you know, once you start getting away from the original language that these books were written in, you start to just see sloppiness and and gigantus in Greek is one of those great examples of where they saw a word they kind of didn't know what it meant, so they just put the word giant instead of it for everything, and it started mm-hmm. to transpose a lot of the original mm-hmm. Hebrew itself. Um, th- I got just to go back to that question. I have four actual locations where they dwelled. Really quick, Arba. Um, he dwelled in Hebron, once called Kiriath Arba. Anak was in Bashan, or the Golan Heights. Rapha the giant was in Canaan, and Goliath was in Gath. Just to answer that question for you specifically. Joe, what books do you recommend to get more information on these giants? Book of Giants. So, I mean, in general, I think the, the most comprehensive text that talks about them, you know, outside of the Pentateuch, is is going to be the the books of Enoch, um, you know, what, that combined books of Enoch. Um, I'm usually partial to um, uh, Joseph Lumpkin's translations of it. 
Uh, he has them all in one volume, and the translations are pretty decent. I've read, I've read a couple, I've read one. I'm, I'm not going to remember who the author is on purpose, but it was just crap. Um, you know, it was not a good translation. You could tell they took a lot of liberties with what they were talking about. Um, but can, definitely can, Joseph Lumpkins, I've read, and it's it's not it's not bad. I can say that I, uh, when I was doing my research when I was a long time ago, the, the most frustration I had is when uh, when they talk about Enoch. I think the the most messed up translation was portals, path, doorways, windows, or gateways, and they just get like just switched around per translator. And he, t- he talks about the heavenly pathways and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said, the the the, the author that uh, I wasn't a fan of, I'm not going to name drop them. But mm. um, again, Joseph Lumpkin, and I think he's written a lot, especially on the Apocrypha and things like that. I think he's got an Amazon page as well. So that's been my favorite so far. And it's it's the most benign, right? It's it's I'm taking the words as they are. I'm providing slight annotations, but I'm not just rewriting stuff to make it sound cool or exciting and stuff mm-hmm. and the other thing is is that they're all you have all these different fragments of books that we now call the book of enoch which uh, like i said before really aren't Our right they were all different scraps of stories that were merged together a good chunk of them were found in qumran uh some are found in slavic you know and and the most complete versions are found in ethiopic which i find mm-hmm. most interesting right so the ethiopic the most christian complete. church is the only one that considers the book of enoch part of their canon mm-hmm. you know no other christian sect in the world i think it's i'm sorry the ethiopians and the eritreans mm-hmm. um and they, they've had it forever too they never lost it it was just part of their book the whole time correct exactly mm-hmm. right and they have a couple of other books that uh most most traditional christian sects would not consider canon right. at all and um that was because so of that was because of solomon you know he sent his little his little parade down there well, yeah, and uh, I think he married their queen, right? He sure did. She was a little, a little a somebody. People, yeah, he's a busy dude. <laughs> yes, he around. was. He sent his son down there, too. So something where Almighty Mexican just wrote, interesting how there are seven and nine feet tall skeletons found under North American earthworks, and the Smithsonian came and took them all and kept it quiet as if they were, there are people who don't want the public to know about giants. Yeah, so when when... Smithsonian, anytime they cannot explain something, they label it magic slash religion, and they put it in a box, and they put it away because they can't tell a story, they can't talk about it. The, the most current one that they did find, um, which is current with the lore in the area with American Indians, there was a, um, a farmer farming bat guano out of a cave, and uh, I think it was like 30 feet worth, 30 feet deep worth of bat guano, and eventually once they got down to it, they found all these bones. They were of giants, whole families. And uh, they started talking about it in the air. It got kind of, you know, a uh, hot topic. And the local Indians were like, yeah, we killed those guys. <laughs> we killed them. We, we actually to. cornered them in, in, in that everything. cave. And we lit the front of the cave on fire. And we shot a bunch of arrows. And kid you not, man, there are arrows in there. There are arrows and bones. And they killed them. And the local uh, Indian tribe, which I cannot give you guys, you know, the location of the tribe name. I do, do not remember. Uh, maybe Joe knows. They, they, they kill these, these people, and they were blonde hair, red hair, tall people, blue eyes, um, and a lot of these people had axes that they would bring around. So these are the people we have talked about before that did the happy face smile across the continent of uh, the European continent from the northern countries and did a happy face smile right into China. So this is where you get the bearded men in China and stuff like that with the pointy hats. 
and the uh, the surgeries they did on their lungs. I mean, it's amazing stuff that they were doing way thousands of centuries ahead yeah. of their time. You know, they had something called sand lung. You know, when you breathe in so much sand, it fills your lung. They would actually remove the lung, wash it of sand, and put it back in the person, sew them up, and they lived. Crazy. Good stuff. I don't remember where that, that bat guano cave is at, but, uh, yeah, the Smithsonian came and took those bones. And uh, they have pictures of them in, in the, uh, it's like 1800s. There's pictures in the, the newspaper. That's the only reason why we know about that today is because of the newspaper. Well, there's other areas, I believe, in Arkansas, the Chichasawa. Tons of places all over. Um, and the Shawnee tribe also, where there were mounds, and they found giant skeletons in them. Mm-hmm. But again, we, Smithsonian grabs it's, it's, them. You know, it's being so, written out of history. Well, when it doesn't do, when it doesn't fit into the story, histori- historians don't want to try to guess about it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, our timeline, our archaeological timeline, is pretty damn off. So let's let's ask some. Well, some- and, it, and it keeps getting pushed further and further back, right? Oh, for uh, sure. That place know, in Turkey, Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, oh, man, yeah, that smoked right everybody. Yep. Even that's the ones damn. who want to rewrite it were like, "Whoa, that's even older than what we thought." Well, that's yep. always been the argument from Egyptologists that their timeline has to be right because there's no other place that's 10,000 years old or older. And then yeah, Sumer. Matt, and then all of a sudden Gobekli Tepe shows and up. Sumer and, and stuff like been, that, yeah. It's been definitely. Well, the, the interesting thing with Gobekli Tepe is, is they've only uncovered three or four mountains at the very top of the site. They're, you know, yeah, they buried they've it. Done, um, they've done uh, ground imaging radar on those mounds. And there's definitely more structures underneath that had to have been created earlier. Right? Right. It's like 34 floors, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. So there's yeah. way older stuff they just wow. haven't Wow, that's no yet. joke, man. Yeah, it's and, underground, and, and 34 the, floors. And what they've excavated already, they have absolutely identified pieces that are 10,000 years old. Yeah, they know this for yeah. a fact. Yeah. So that's one so of the places I would love to go. Michael Samuel on YouTube asked, what do you think the esoteric meaning of the giants is? What are we supposed to learn from them? So, yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually staring at it on, on, on YouTube. Um, so I, I think, as we were discussing before, my personal opinion is that it's, it's, it's that hybrid form, right, between the divine and between mm-hmm. mortal man. Um, it's that bridge. You know, some, right, and some other, some other religious systems, I guess you could call it, especially a lot of your, your Western culture ones, they always had those bridges between, you know, you had that hybrid state. Um, look at the Egyptians as well. I mean, their gods were, were of mortal flesh, right? They, mm-hmm. could, be killed. they, they walked, could be hacked right. into 14 pieces. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they walked with the humans uh, as well. So a lot of cultures had that, that in-between state. So I think, and again, a lot of these cultures came up in the same area of the world, right? It's right. Neighbors. Far away. So I think that there's a lot of synergy there between uh, – the story again of, of the giants and the Nephilim and, and how they were created and how they existed versus a lot of your, I guess, demigod or, or hybrid deity forms that you see in other cultures like the Babylonians and the Sumerians and the Egyptians and the list goes on and on. Um, it's not it's not that different what you see in the Old Testament than what you see in a lot of other religious texts of the time. So I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big stretch to say that you have this this in between form that obviously wasn't the best 
for everything. Um, so because obviously we work because we wrote the story, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we, we have to win in the end. But, uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's very easy to make the connection between things like the Nephilim uh, and the Watchers even, too, because, um, you know, you have that, that state that's not divine but of divinity. And I know a lot of Masons talk about, you know, I'm especially one of them, you know, that we all have that spark of the divine in us. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we're, we're that next evolution, you know, or we got it right or something like that. So that's what I take from it. Rukon G, do you gentlemen believe there is a movement within the Judeo-Christian churches to suppress information in order to subject the, to subject the followers to subjugation? Yeah, I, yeah, I see that too. I was chewing on that question for a minute, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going I'm I'm to answer as as like a correct as I can. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes, they are. Suppressing. Don't worry, because Mike will answer it. Yeah, I'll answer it too. Politically correct. No, I'll, I'll give you a good answer. It'll just be PC. But um, so I'm definitely of you know I definitely consider myself an esotericist. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely consider myself not a product of the traditional organized religion. I grew up Roman Catholic. I was an altar boy. Uh, I did the mass in Latin, you know, so definitely, definitely did all that growing up. And stuff. But what I can say is that the first and second centuries churches look way different than churches in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth centuries. Absolutely. Going into the, to the dark ages, right? Um, 100%. What church meant before Rome sponsored the religion and made it the state-sponsored religion of the entire empire was right. a drastic shift in how Christianity was being practiced before that time, right? You had community-level churches. And you can see this in, in, you know, some of Paul's letters that were probably written, you know, around the time of Paul, uh, as opposed to some that were probably written a little bit after. But you could see it in, you know, when a church was planted in a certain city, you know, like Galatia or uh, Corinth, things like that. There was a community aspect to church, and it made it really familial and really close, and, and that's how they practiced, as opposed to the state-sponsored Roman Christianity that you see later that, you know, built cathedrals and, you know, would punish you if you said something weird, and, you know, mm-hmm. burned witches and things like that, and sold indulgences to go to heaven. So, right. very, very different. So A ticket. Yeah. You know, to, to answer Iru's question, um, I think there has absolutely been in the past uh, instances where that is certainly the case. I mean, they didn't call them the Dark Ages for nothing. Yeah. Um, they called them the Dark Ages because there was no light, there was no knowledge, there was, there was nothing, nothing and it was all owned by a single, a single power structure in all of Europe. And who would that be? And that was the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you know, and it wasn't until people started to get tired of that, or like, well, screw this. Yeah. Um, that we started to kind of break out of that, and and you start to see that in the Middle Ages and the feudal system where people started to take back control. So absolutely, I think Martin. that's 100% accurate. Do they still do it today? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've read Dan Brown books, so I know there's a <laughs> Right, there's something, you know, stuff, a little you know? something. <laughs> it was more back in the day. Now it's so hard for them to do stuff like this. And I, I was just going to comment on that, too. Subjugation, it's like subjugation to, to what level, you know? Like, I do believe the Christian churches or Judeo-Christian churches do suppress in, in certain information because it is a story they want to be told in a certain manner. And, and, you know, if it's not aligning with that, anybody who's doing anything like that will, will not uh, adhere it's to that. It's their perverted version of Jesus. 
it's it's their version, whoever, or whatever non, the story my is. Non PC. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying whatever the story is, that there's a version that everybody's got their own version, and they're not gonna like somebody else's version. Yeah. Um, well, I but, think it's it's harder to to make that argument about you know wide systems, and I'm not right. going to get all weird. Yeah, I don't want to get it. Yeah. yeah. Today, in today's day and age, there's so many different flavors of Christianity. Uh, exactly. Right? A bazillion. Yeah. Buffet. Yeah, that it's 51 flavors, I, I man. It's, yeah, it's hard for them to all sit at the table, get together, and what are we going to subject yeah. today? They have Council of Nicaea. You know what I mean? Right. But again, you know, before people could read, you know, before people the were The book was read to, to them. Read, it, I, it's absolutely possible that that happened. You know, that was the right, right. deal with the King James Bible. It was like, holy crap, you guys are writing it in the common tongue. Like, people are going to read it now and know all yeah. of our stuff. You know, that, that, was, that was unheard of back then. You know, I would just say so. this: the subjugation is more of the people who do not don't want to ask questions for themselves. You know, they're allowed. They're, they're, they're going along with it. So is it really subjugation? I don't know, because I think a lot of these people choose to go in. I like this structure. I, I like to fit into that. And it works for me. It worked for those those individuals. So I would say subjugation, you know, it's a, a really hard term, you know, and, and- yeah, and I don't get that sense myself when uh, you know I'm I'm still a, a practicing Christian. I'm no longer I'm, I call myself a recovering Catholic, jokingly. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I was kicked out of the Catholic Church. So, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I you know I look at faith in a in a different way. Yeah, you get together as a community because that's what community is. That's what the word church means, right? Mm. But you know, everybody should still have a personal relationship with deity. You know, whether you're sitting in a you know a big uh, cathedral or you're in a parking lot with lawn chairs and you're all celebrating together or you're in a mosque or you're in a synagogue you know the fact that you're all together with kind of sort of the same ideals is great but i still think you still have to engender that personal connection to to divinity because no one's going to tell you how your relationship with deity is except yourself so you know um just to touch on the question over here uh we have i am baphomet that's so funny every time I say that. I am Baphomet. Uh, if we take the Bible at its word, it said the sons of God took wives. Broad statement. Were, the fe- were there female Nephilim or just male? There actually were female giants. Uh, Arba had a wife, um, which I don't have on here. I think I'm miss- missing a page here. But um, there is a... Oh, that one there. Oh, there is a... Um, <laughs> yes, there is his wife. So Arba's wife which is like it's Arba spelled Arbac or something like that with a Q. It has a Q on it. And that was his wife, and she was giant as well. She hot. You know? I mean, they did produce all the rest of the <laughs> Nephilim, so <laughs> they were doing something, something right between the two. So, yeah, there were female ones. You didn't, do not hear about them quite often at all because it's just the time period and stuff like that. But, yes, well, there were female. Well, interestingly, I mean, there's, there's always arguments about whether angels, traditional angels, at least in Judeo-Christianity, had genders. Correct. Right? We got Gabriel, um, correct? Gabriel's the big one that would flip here and there and or messengers of God, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't take on they don't take on a gender role or right. things like that. So were there, you know, were there male and female angels? I don't know. Maybe they had both. Maybe they were right. lucky. They could do what they wanted to do. Um, you know, and flip the script. But I, I, right. I don't know. But I just there's a lot of cases where it's very gender neutral, especially in canonical books where they're just known as messenger or 
you know, and they don't get a pronoun, which I find interesting. Mm. The the yeah. Norse that I was looking up implied androgyny within a, a lot of the a lot of androgynous well, stuff that's going on. Loki, if you look back, Loki was uh-huh. he gave birth, he right. gave birth to the the world snake, so he was technically both. Jormungand. Yep. Yeah, yes. like did he give birth to it or did he create it? Is that what they're trying to mean that he made? No, you know, it's who specific knows? to yeah, giving oh, birth. They they so got some stuff. Technically, the first hermaphrodite mentioned right. in well, you in know, that lore. the you know we're gonna get into this, but when you read like the lost books books of Eden or the uh, a pseudograph or other stuff that Joe was talking about, other types of books, um, they refer to Adam and Lilith as being hermaphrodite, having both. You know, let let him be in our let them be in our image. Well, you know? they definitely refer to Adam uh, as yes, you know, you know that that archetypal Adam that first the first one creation, correct they definitely refer to him in, in those other books as having both genders right and then the split came Seth when, as well correct yep they, and mm-hmm. and the split came when Eve came forth from Adam correct right? and then there were two but that really gets into the masculine feminine absolutely stuff, that's which, a juicy topic right there oh yeah that's that's meat and potatoes right there we talk about that oh, you you are literally the only other person <laughs> that dares to even speak about that uh with me so i really appreciate you talking about that <laughs> i've been nobody wants to talk i've had a hard that. time to, you know nobody every time i ch- <laughs> no, no you know because little black balls roll out all of a sudden you so know, and i know black I, I know we're gonna i know we're gonna touch on um esotericon in a little bit because that just oh. happened but uh actually yeah can you can you can what, you what talk about the what esotericon you guys put on? Yeah, totally. Um, I was going to mention uh, as an aside, one of the presentations we did was uh, Brother Adam Goldman, who is originally from California. Oh, um, yeah, uh, he did a talk on the sacred feminine in Freemasonry, which was absolutely awesome. Like instances of the sacred feminine in archetype religions and in the ritual and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was actually a pretty awesome presentation. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy to talk about it. So. Uh, Esotericon is a thing that a few bros in, in Northern Virginia put together. Um, it's John Ruark and Jason Richards from the Masonic Roundtable, and uh, Brother Kevin Homan, who's another local, and myself. We um, it's a really quick story. We came back from Masonicon in Attleboro, Massachusetts. It was their second or third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been going every year, and uh, we came back down, and we were like man, this sucks. We need to do something like this down here because that was awesome. Like, <laughs> it was it was absolutely refreshing. It was phenomenal. And we were like, but let's do something different. Let's do something, you know, like, what is it that we're not getting in our lodges? Because we're all probably cut from the same cloth. You know, we all have the same ideas and the same likes. Uh, we're a little bit weird. And uh, we're definitely into more of the esoteric, heady topics that have to do with the craft than, than most other people in our area. And we are like, well, screw it. Let's, let's so put on a... Yeah conference that if it was our dream conference what would we like to do and we're like well cool let's call it esotericon because uh masonicon's taken and uh, we only want to talk like we don't want to talk about green beans we don't want to talk about you know how to make your lodge more financially stable like mm-hmm. that's not what we cared about like, we, we have stuff like that about all the cool stuff um so yeah so we put it together we had our first one in 2019 um we exceeded capacity in the building because we were stupid and we didn't know how to put a conference together uh, that first year. Uh, but it was a fantastic time. And then uh, 2020, we were going to, we, we started mm-hmm. selling tickets uh, a few months before the lockdown. And uh, yeah, around February, we had to pivot 
uh -huh. say, holy crap, uh, nobody's coming. Or we're going to nope. do this online and virtually. So we had over 200 people attend virtually. So that was, and, and I'm going to be honest, it was it was a complete crap show. Um, I'm being really gentle. I don't know if I can have potty mouth on this. Yeah, okay. Yes, you can. Yes. Oh, shit. Awesome. Okay, shit. cool. There you go, buddy. Let it out. Oh, Cat is out. Oh, yeah, this, this is a mature, a mature channel. That's right. So, yeah. If you guys don't no, like it, please change the channel. It was a pure shit show. Uh, you know, honestly, it was a great conference, but we were losing our minds trying to figure out how to put this all together, you yeah. know, and do it in real time. But uh, so this year, we decided early on, you know, last year that, hey, we'll probably do virtual again because it's still a global pandemic. And um, they literally opened things in Virginia two weeks before the event. And people were emailing us like, hey, let's meet in person. It's like, we are not turning on a dime like that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, like, you can't. <laughs> it's impossible. too much to do. <laughs> But we had almost uh, 293 attendees, almost 300 this year. Um, so, I mean, the numbers keep going up and up and up. And it's it's literally just Masons or people that are interested in esoterics. It's not piled. It's open to everybody. If mm. you're a dude, a lady, a lizard person, we don't give a shit. Yeah. Cool. Specifically <laughs> lizard people. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and, and it's literally just, you know, bring us your esoteric topics and, um, you know, put it on for the world and it's just such a great group of people you know you're not getting your regular green bean mason or your social club mason and not to say that they're bad people but they're just not interested in this mm. stuff and that's okay because i get to hang out with 293 people who are into the same shit that i absolutely. am right? exactly. have an awesome yep. absolutely that's awesome you know? the and minds uh, that are all there in that building you know oh, or yeah. wherever and, they and meet that's and that's what's been bumming us out was that very first year um we did it at uh, my local lodge and like i said mm. we blew out the capacity we didn't know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We were like, wow, there's mm -hmm. way more people than we can fit in here. Yeah. Um, we need to start going outside. But we ended the day at right. 6, and we were there till almost midnight because people didn't want to leave. People were still having conversations in the hallway. People were sitting down with a cup of coffee and just talking the rest of the day. Like, we didn't plan on serving them dinner, but we ended up ordering 40 pizzas just to feed all these people because they wouldn't leave, and they wanted to talk and just be together. And we were like, this is the most amazing feeling ever. I can't wait to do this again. So, you know, COVID aside, uh, we're going into our fourth year, and um, and we like to mix it up with speakers. Um, we like to get a little bit of different mix. This year, we had folks like Adam Goldman, who, like I said, again, uh, was a California Mason originally. Now he's a D.C. Mason. Uh, we had uh, Don McAndrews, who's a Virginia Mason. He talked about um, the theories of Tim Wallace Murphy, you know, like the Knight Templars and the Royal Bloodline and stuff like that. That was a great talk. And we had Chuck Dunning, who I'm sure you've heard of. He started us off with a contemplative meditation session. So getting to meditate and start the day with 290 other people, that was phenomenal. Wow. Um, awesome. He's big into contemplative masonry. And then we had uh, Ben Williams, Rocky Mountain Mason, um, who also publishes the Esoteric Mason, if you've heard of that magazine. I have. Um, he gave us a talk on the symbolism of the cornerstone, which sounds on paper totally boring, but it was super fascinating it was all about star charts and the astrological symbolism of laying a cornerstone and things mm -hmm. what else did we have we had ben wallace from north carolina he talked about sacred spaces and what a sacred space is and i know if i talk about a sacred space in my lodge 90 percent of the people will not know what the hell i'm talking about right so um even though they're actually invoking a sacred space when they walk in the room but they're not there for that so uh we also had uh williams and adam and ben and Mitch Horowitz was our keynote speaker. Uh, I know yeah. he's big in Cali. Good guy, um, good guy. Met him yeah, at Mount P. Hall. Talk, gave a talk called the Masonic Nation, basically how Freemasonry influenced the building of the United States of America. The entire 
one of the most passionate talks exactly. I've seen him yeah, do. It was sure. absolutely that's, phenomenal. That's a good Blue talk. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Um, so that's our shtick. Uh, we're we're definitely the uh, like I said, we're the fringe guys out here on the East Coast that uh like to talk about esoteric stuff, and you know some people follow follow along with us uh, every year and, and do it. So uh, we've already announced next year's. It's going to be uh, June eleventh, twenty twenty two. It will absolutely a thousand percent be in person. We don't care what disease is floating around. Um, right, we're over it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're over it, and um. We'll probably do a virtual component too, because, like I said, now that we're up to 300 people, I don't envision all 300 of us traveling. You know, so we want to make it available to people online and stuff. But the primary goal is definitely have that egregore and have that vibe and be in person and just share exactly. with one another and be with people yeah. that you love. You know? That's I think that's the reason. That's the main reason we didn't do Esotericon here in the West Coast, um, 2020, because we just didn't want to have. We were doing Zoom meetings all year, and we were like, you know what? We're not so, going to do this no way, because it just it just yeah. lessens the experience. The same thing that happened over there, where you had people just hanging around, having talks, and just enjoying their time, listening to the lectures. We had that same experience here in 2019. Yeah, um, it was a, a great event. We it loved all it. All all the the lecturers that came through, it, it was awesome. So you know, for those of you guys listening. We have an Esotericon in the East Coast with Brother Joe Martinez, and you have an Esotericon over here in the West Coast with us. So we are lucky to have Joe, Brother Joe Martinez. He's going to be one of our, our keynote speakers at our Esotericon in 2022, May Correct. of 2022. So be, be on the lookout for that. Thanks uh, for letting me know. Yeah. Now you know. Now you know, buddy. We just kidnapped you. So be ready to party. We're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun. We we like to put on a nice Mm. production, and um, we would love to work with you guys in the future. Maybe somewhere in Midway. Maybe Colorado. Maybe Texas. We'll we'll find somewhere. But as we grow, get a quorum together and and do that. Yeah. uh, No, you you West Coast guys definitely uh, up it on the production value. Thank Um, you. Hey hey, Joe, just to let you know. The theater here that you'll be speaking in seats eight hundred. <laughs> just, just, just to let you know. So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we have we have two two different esotericons. One on the East Coast, one here on the West Coast. Um, and I suggest you see them both if you have if you have yeah. the means to do so. Go Please to do go so. to each one because they both you're gonna offer have fun. multiple. And if multiple you're on things. the East Coast, go check them out. Make the trip. Get out there. You know, pretty, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's pretty interesting. As, it's pretty online. interesting like said, as well. No, oh, go, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, all I was going to say was I know people can't travel, and and that's why. To, to your point, it was it was we were torn. We were like, people are sick of Zoom. I mean, we started Refracted mm-hmm. Light a week after the, the global pandemic, and you know now it's got over four thousand people. It's got you know content all the time, and it's just an open place for Masons and non-Masons to share education, right? But it's it's exploded into i'm on zoom three or four nights a week right and to your point we thought people were going to get zoom fatigue and we were like ah, i don't know how many people are going to come because people are tired of zoom but that that zoom webinar was packed all wow. day mm. long and and people did amazing. not leave well we amazing. do pl- we do plan a live stream all of our lectures and probably Fantastic. our workshops because we're gonna have workshops as well so oh, awesome awesome so it should it should be mm. a fun show mm. and you guys need to make it out and we're glad to have you joe we we appreciate you very much, not well, only for, again, thanks for thanks being for on this show, me. but coming. I'm going to be there. So. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're going to be here. We're you will be okay. here. You will. So you know. <laughs> let's get back to a couple questions that we have here online. Please. So uh, the presentation on sacred spaces was one of my favorites. That was from I am Baphomet on Twitter. 
So he was actually listening Twitch. on on Twitch. Yeah, he was actually listening to one of those presentations. So uh, I don't know who that is because I didn't have anybody register as Baphomet. <laughs> so uh, I'm so glad that you liked it. Yeah, Ben Wallace is a fantastic, fantastic esoteric mason. He's the one, if you brothers are not familiar, he's the one who helped start the Middle Chamber program out in North Carolina. Oh, cool. And what that is is it's basically a Grand Lodge-sponsored education program that's all esoteric. Um, and when you hear the mm. word Grand Lodge-sponsored, mm. people's mm. eyes go like, yes. holy crap, yeah, right? you know, because it's unheard of. We do work yeah. with um, our Grand Lodge over here. What's that? We do work with Grand Lodge as much as we can. Yeah, we are so lucky. That's we have amazing. to, you know? Yeah. I guess so, if you say so. Well, but, uh, I'm, you know, we like to work with them. I, they, they, they've been very interested in the work that we, we're yeah, doing. I'm, so. a, I'm a member of, uh, I'm not going to poo-poo a single jurisdiction. I'm a member uh, in uh, Virginia, where my home lodge is. I'm also a member in Washington, D.C., um, mm-hmm. and I'm a member of the Esoteric Lodge in Washington, D.C., Benjamin B. French. Um, it's a T.O. Lodge. We do T.O. things. That's, that's my jam. So if I um, went out there, are you going to give me a tour? Absolutely. Okay, he said Live when, too. When, when stuff opens up again, DC is like <laughs> DC's like Chicago and New York City. Like ah. everything's still kind of locked down a little bit. Mm. Uh, but out here in Virginia, if you're wearing a mask, people look at you funny. Like, what's what's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, it's Virginia. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm and I'm in a little bit of like five miles away from me is farm, so we're kind of a little bit rural. So yeah, mm. it's, it's the minority that are still wearing masks and stuff. But you know, no judgment here. But um, DC is still pretty restrictive when it comes to going to places and things like that. The House of the Temple just reopened last week. That's where I want to go. Yeah. House of the stuff, Temple right? phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Art de Hoyos is there every day. Um, if you I want a tour. What's that? I want a tour. Well, maybe yeah, you should sure go talk to happen. Art, man. I'm, I'm going to. I may, just, I may be going out okay. there maybe early July. Good. Well, come on. So, right. so Joe, um, I am Baphomet said, tell Joe it's Lucas. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, Forget hey, about yeah. it. Good bro, good bro, absolutely. Yeah, no, Ben's, uh, back to Ben's talk, but yeah, so Ben helped kick off, helped a bunch of brothers kick off uh, esoteric masonry in North Carolina. They're doing a phenomenal job. Their last grandmaster, who also, uh, his name is Sean Bradshaw, he spoke at Esoteric on 2020. Um, big esoteric mason, so he was all for supporting lodges doing that. You know, and getting into it as long as, and his big thing was, which I, I thought was beautiful and I thought it was so relevant and so important, was his piece of advice to everybody that wanted to get into this stuff and start to dip their toe in, in being an esoteric with Mason was, and he would say this with the nicest smile on his face, he would say, always keep it in the ritual. He's like, if you tie it to the ritual, you're good. If you start getting off on this off the wall right. shit, then you're going to lose people. And you know what? At the end of the day, he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can you can talk about some of this really fringe stuff as long as you frame it within the ritual uh, or at least the purpose of initiation, right? Because I think that's why we're all here. Right? Yeah. Um, and it really is good common sense wisdom to impart. You I know? think you guys on the East Coast have a little bit more freedom, I would say, to to talk about stuff because you guys have a lot of stuff out there. Out here, it's it's, it's a little little more cut and dry. I would I would disagree yeah. with you just just no? having been to some of your lodges. Yeah, I think I mean, it's the other way around. You think it's the other way yeah. around? I do. Man, you guys have so much cool stuff out there and and but opportunities. None but none of it's sponsored by anybody. We do this on mm. our own because we don't care. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. You know, but we're not 
We're not getting money from our lodges. We're not no, nothing like that. Grand Lodge. It's all us. You know what I mean? And and, and we have to we have to you know ride that line very finely, mm-hmm. you know, and not Indeed. number one piss anybody off, and number two not do anything that's going to get us in trouble. But that's why I mean, if you didn't notice, um, this last year's Esotericon, you know, we started to really market it as this is an esoteric conference who just happens to have lots of Freemasons at it. But we're not marketing ourselves as Masonic because um, we don't want to be mm-hmm. tied to any single exactly. body. And the other big that's thing what we're doing as, as well. We don't feel the same. What to do. You know, that's yeah. the big thing is you can't tell us what to do. It's not your show. Yep. Yep. So the we have that in Also, place. The, the way I look at it is it's, it's, it's not, it, there's a sprinkle of masonry. But it's for all paths. It's for, I think, I believe Esotericon should be for all paths. Whatever path you practice, come on down and share your ideas. Share with the yeah. people that are there and talk to them and learn other paths. The, the Esotericon that we had, we had Golden Dawn, we had OTO, we had OTA, we had awesome. witchcraft, we have various Wicca, to uh, traditional witchcraft, we had uh, Hermeticism, we had all kind of yeah, wonderful, the, wonderful things there. We also had um, Santeria. We had all kinds yeah. of stuff, you know. We had, so we, we had a lot of yeah, been around that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Los yeah. Angeles is home to a smorgasbord of esotericism. So we we have everybody come down, and we want to represent everybody that has you know a path yeah. or a teaching or something like that. So that way, basically, we bridge that gap between like a YouTube or or something funny because we're on YouTube and stuff like that. But to bridge that gap, you know, so we, so people can come out and, and touch something that's tangible. And speak with a professional that that does it for a living. And right. and we were fortunate that we too had some really cool masons who were into the esoteric stuff and the magic oh, community sure, sure. and stuff like that. So you know, our, our some of our speakers that we had here was were guys that are masons, but were not specifically you know whatever masonic talk that they were kind of tying into it. You know, wasn't specifically targeted towards masons it was more targeted towards an esoteric community so it was and that's the way to go brother because i think mm-hmm. that you know to think that freemasonry is the only quote-unquote path to enlightenment i mean oh, you're yeah. out of your mind you're, right there's yeah, many right, paths, right for there's sure many different roads up to the top of the mountain yeah. and you know we're we're one um we're not the end-all be-all no. um especially by some of our past actions we can't claim that we're the end-all be-all right because Correct. we've done dumb shit before in the past yeah agreed um but there are many other schools of thought and many other esoteric schools of knowledge that impart similar lessons. And they all use kind of sort of the same structure, right? You're using initiation as a way to educate teach you how to be that better person, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be Freemasonry. Um, and in some places, it shouldn't be Freemasonry, right? It may not be for everybody. But, right. you know, if, if you have a community that's open and, and shares all those ideas, it makes all of those organizations better. So, Michael Samu just posted, I was told to remove my Baphomet decal on my vehicle or demit from Yucca Valley Lodge. I think masonry is too strict in general. That, that's unfortunate because you, nobody should tell you what you can or cannot believe in or have. I mean, your vehicle is not driving inside of the temple. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they can do that. I would actually fight that. Um, believe you me, uh, Michael Samu, I've had my my obstacles on just speaking or, or, you know, and you can't have somebody tell you, you can't be here because of your belief. That's illegal. Um, I think statewide and most likely it's extremely unmasonic, you know, um, you you, you shouldn't be able to say that. Like, I I don't want you here in this lodge because you believe in something. 
that's horribly wrong. And, um, you know, I don't know what took place there. I'm just saying a general, general thing that should be kind of looked at. And I would bring that up. You know, Honestly, so. Michael, don't don't bring those people to my house because my daughter runs around in a Baphomet T-shirt. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah. That was given to her by a Mason. So wow. right. When, yeah. Uh, when we had the first esoteric, you guys know uh, uh, Carlos Hernandez from Ascended. Oh yes. Uh huh. Ascended yeah. Masters. He was a vendor there, and uh, my daughter was Carl there. Carl Hearn. Carl Hearn. Because <laughs> we had uh, we had the Rainbow Girls helping out, and my daughter, um, who is uh, 16 years old, super deep thinker. Um, if she doesn't join an, an esoteric group when she turns 18, I'll be completely surprised because that's just her bag. You know what I mean? Uh, she even spoke at Esotericon last year. Um, and uh, she was loving all the stuff that, that uh, Carlos had on the table. She's like, oh, I love this. I love that. I want this. I want that. Carlos's wife was there. Um, and she's a hard salesperson. So she's like, you know, you want to get your daughter this and you want to get your daughter. I was like, damn it, fine. So, I mean, I spent all this money on buying my daughter a bunch of crap from Carlos. Um, so she walks out with like, yeah, a bushel full of stuff. Um, and she runs around wearing all her shirts all day long. Yeah, she's more power one to of her. Few girls in this area that actually knows what all that stuff means. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> Baphomet is being used for a lot of things that it was never intended to be used for, and that drives me freaking nuts. Um, y- yeah. Um, I just want to just go back to that quick question where you said, um, from you know, you, they asked you to admit or anything like that. You know, sometimes. Uh, you have to go through things to realize that a lodge is not meant for you, that specific lodge. You need to move around. You need to find where your home should be. Um, search out other lodges, man. Believe this is, you this me. This is exactly why I tell people who ask me to, about joining masonry, you need to check out two or three lodges because yeah. you're going to find that. Or you more. Know? And if, the, if, if, you're, if this is the type of topics that you want to talk about, find like-minded then people. you have to find the like-minded lodges that are okay with it and there's a lot of them here in la uh unfortunately you're out in yucca valley so there's not too many and you know what's funny is i thought yucca valley was pretty cool like that man i, they, I they don't sound, know they sounded like they were they were very into the esoterics and i'm sorry that you had to go through that but sometimes you just got to look at people and just tell them hey you know what fuck you you know sometimes <laughs> too, just in to say most, in the most friendly manner yeah. <laughs> it, it could be that person who told you that it was only that person yeah. and maybe nobody was backing them up so if you bring that to the table I would actually bring that up at a stated meeting. I would stand up and say, this person here told me this. Is this what everybody thinks here? And if they go, yeah, we, we told them to go say that. I mean, that gives you your answer right there. You don't need to think about it. You don't even want to you, be around those admit. kind of people. Man. I mean, I would admit. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be there. Right. Man. I mean, you want to admit before you get blackballed. <laughs> James got blackballed. In case you didn't know, just it was funny to watch. Oh it man, you know, like, you know, you get blackballed, and then Esotericon blows up, and then you get, you get a better, better show, better plays. Everything just comes to fruition because the it was right lodge, the right the thing right lodge, to do, the right people. You lodge. know, Michael Samu says I'm an OC now. Maybe Hermes Lodge. Well, maybe you maybe. should come join us yeah. and come hang out with we us. We are only accepting workers. We need people who come here who want to actually be hands-on, that's, who want to be here. Catch. Right. Yep. We're not a pancake lodge. Oh, we're no. not no pancake, pancake masons. masons. <laughs> and we're not Minos. Do you guys know what Minos is? A Minos mason? Mason in name only. Bam! Yeah. Man, this guy Joe's going to fit in perfectly yes, over he here. He sure is. Am we I can't really wait there? to corrupt you more, Joe, when you come over here. Because you've already, already there. I'm screwed already. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to sparta you into the pit of just like, you know. You'd be like, Joe, look at that. For Hermes. Bam. Hey, I'm, you know, hey, that's right. 
that's what makes yeah, it Yeah, being cool. blackballed is not the end. It's the beginning. Trust me. You're doing something right, probably. So, <laughs> Odalis De La Rosa, I look at the esoteric world and knowledge to be minimal due to it just being based on one-sided history. Correct. That's why it's called his story. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that question. Um, I, would, I would say if, if you subscribe to a single esoteric teaching and, and you put blinders on and shut yourself off to everything else, maybe that's right. But, I mean, I would say more of your esoteric teachings and we're throwing this word around like it's like it's popcorn, right? But um, you know, uh, in general, esoteric for me probably opens up more doors to to history than anything else. Absolutely, I mean? um, more questions. Again, I think, but you know, it's a dangerous road to go down, right? Like if you've mm -hmm. got, and I'm not poo pooing him in any way. He is one of my favorites. I have tons of his books on my shelves. But if you've got guys that are like super into Manly P. Hall. Bam. That's all they know. I'm believe me. I'm a Manly P. Hall fanatic. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But if that's all they know, and they just spout off Manly P. Hall sayings and quotes and stuff like that, and they know nothing else, and they're just regurgitating right, right. Manly, yeah, correct? And they're they're kind of closing themselves off to everything else that's out there. Yeah, you know, or the the allegories within because Manly P. Hall was really allegorical. Um, you know, a lot of people yes. take his work literally, and it's like, no, nah, man, it's it's literally on par with parables in the Bible. That's how you got to read Manly. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, then you're doing something wrong. Right. But I think if you just put blinders on, and you get that with a lot of fundamentals, right? Yeah. You can't on, have you those on. Yourself off. Can't. Yeah. That then Odalis's point makes sense. Um, you and have maybe to look I'm at it all. Wrong, you but. have to look at mm -hmm. the whole. I believe what, what he's saying is just one sided. There's just one story. And say, for instance, it was just, if it was just the Bible stating these historical facts, then that's the only story we have. When we know that there's other sides to the story. Which is why when we look at the three main religions, they have the same story just told three different ways. Correct. And it's all like, I'm better than you. No, no, I'm better. And they're all, you know, hitting each other like little kids, you know. It's unfortunate. Rukon G is for Masons who have strayed far from their lodge. How can we connect with other lodges? I myself has sent email, have sent emails and such, but how can we as Masons at large make time to find fellowship? You know, that's a really good question. It's a hard one to answer. But... There are groups. Mm -hmm. There are groups in and on Facebook. There are groups Instagram and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like we're we're a group, yeah. and you could follow us, and we could have these conversations. And we do meet, and we also put on events such as Esotericon. So we would love for all of you to join us whenever Esotericon. you guys can. But um, for the local Masons, that is one where you're going to have to go to a couple lodges yeah. and ask around and talk to the people and see what they're into. And if you guys vibe, you know? Unfortunately, you have to just sit there and, and really filter through that uh, one by one. I mean, there's no real way because a lot of these times you, you may find like-minded people in a lodge, but that lodge doesn't condone what they speak about. Well, and, and the thing is, yeah. is that I, I'm thinking of specifically within our area, so I don't know what it's like for him in his area. But, you know, if you start looking at lodges giving esoteric talks or a subject matter they're going to do a zoom or whatever they're going to have a special speaker come to their lodge the people that are interested in that particular subject are going to be there and you might have a bunch of different like mind differently minded people in that lodge but they won't be there for that event so go to those type events or if you see an event or you see a 
a Zoom or or just something that sparks your interest, go check out that event at that lodge because chances are you're, you're going to find you're going right. to find brothers at right. that lodge, and you're probably going to find the same brothers at that lodge that go to all of those events at all of the different lodges all around. Because that's where you have we've your seen that brothers moment. So I, I will tell you that like I travel the lecture circuit out here in Los Angeles. Well, once before COVID, and uh, you start seeing the same people. So if that's what you, if, if it's something you want to do is find uh, other people that are like minded, you need to go like you're talking about. Yeah. Travel the lecture circuit and go find topics that you know you find hard to talk about with other people, and you will find like minded people. I love the lecture circuit. I love seeing. I start seeing the same people. I will literally walk up to them. I've seen you five times. This week, who are you? Why are you here? Why are we going to the same? I can, I'm friends to today. Five times a week, though. I I did at one point. Yeah, wow. Back in the I day, did. It was Manly P. Hall, Besson Hall, Dr. Yeah. Heller. Yeah, I was just um, gonna say we, we we made so many friends, brothers, and not just from hitting those lectures. Correct. Yeah. Brian took go, Brian. Going I kidnapped to PRS Brian. And stuff. Uh, PRS. Yeah, all right. Philosophical Research Society, Manly P. Hall. And that's those. And that's those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to see them five different times at five different sessions, but those are the people that you're going to gravitate towards and end up making those lifelong relationships with. It's yeah, not going to be done that and done for sure. Surface bullshit relationship. You know Absolutely. I mean? Um, I mean, I see the same people. You know, when when I'm doing a talk at on Refracted Light or I'm doing a talk for a lodge in Massachusetts or in Chicago or what have you, I see the same people jump on. I'm like, but that's awesome because I know that person. I love that person with all my heart. We have a rapport with each other, and it's not that surface level bullshit you know that's not what i'm here for that's not why i go to lodge that's why i that's not why i stay away from my kids two or three nights a week you know what i mean i don't do that for the for that um i do that for to engender real relationships that actually make myself better Mm -hmm. um so you're absolutely right but i mean you you hit it on the head michael with get out there and just just travel every single lodge you could have three lodges in a one mile radius they're all going to have different personalities vastly different Different cultures Vastly different. Different cultures. And, and we, we say the same thing to candidates, uh, people that knock, in, uh, knock on our door just because they live in the same town as our lodge. They're like, you know what? There's a lodge two miles down that way. There's a lodge three miles down check that them way. Check them all out. You go visit those lodges. Check them all out. And if you're still interested, come back here. We've never not had one person not come back to our lodge. But we, give, we tell them. We're like, you know, there's different types of masons and different types of masonry. If this yep. isn't your bag or we're scaring the shit out of you, go somewhere else. Right. You know? Yeah, there's the pancake mason. You go eat pancakes. Right, great breakfasts. You know, you can have spaghetti dinners. All that cool stuff, Somebody man. said something about the uh, great secret was green bean pancakes. <laughs> you know, I've never had them myself. Can you, can you kick that person off? <laughs> right. I'm okay. I'm, I'm not gonna. I think you know. I want to huh? pass. Yeah. So in in short, yes, check out several different lodges. Um, do your do some research around the area. And go to events like Ron said, and that's where you're going to meet your people. And then when you meet your people, you're going to feel like, wow, I've yeah. waited too long for this. You're going to feel a lot better. That's for sure. Okay, oh, so man. man, Beast Within, Pi, Pi, Duality, Polarity, Taurus, Fields, and Sacred Geometry, Frequencies, Electricity, and Magnetism are the ways of the universe. That's a mouthful. Wow. He's yeah, just throwing it all out there. I mean, he just, he just shot it out, not- shot at me, boom. I'm not touching that Wikipedia article of a comment there. So <laughs> that is that is, that is <laughs> crazy. Like 90, thesaurus there. I like this guy. I like him too. So, uh, do you have anything else to add, Joe? Do you have anything else you want to talk about, or is there anything else that you want to uh, bring up in in the future that you have going on? 
Uh, no, just I would say, um, definitely, uh, you guys definitely get on the um, Masonic Conferences group. Um, you know, Robert Johnson from Once Game, he was starting a website called MasonicConferences.com um because 2022 is going to be an insane year for conferences mm -hmm. um yeah. uh, the original MasonicCon, they're moving to new hampshire we're having esotericon kansas is having a MasonicCon. chicago wow. is going to be back next year texas is doing one the way um, of the future it's going to be a whirlwind so uh, definitely reach out to them and, and get your stuff up there because everybody's coordinating oh uh, and uh south pasadena masonic lodge they're doing yeah. theirs again oh doggo in the doggo right on yeah old south so, pass it's going to be crazy next year. So definitely, um, you know, jump on the, the bandwagon so we can all get organized. Um, because the last thing we want to do is, is crap in each other's cornflakes. So, no. That um, is true. No, it makes cornflakes worse. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but, um, no, this was absolute. this was really fun. Uh, thank you for having me tonight. Thank you for letting me be candid. Um, if you can tell I'm a very subtle person and I don't tell you what I think. Very quiet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, this was an absolute blast. This was super fun. Thank uh, you. I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Same here, brother. Same here, man. Really appreciate you, and we look forward to the future, my friend. Future is limitless. Yeah. You die. So, so to add on to um, what he was talking about, he's talking about Dago, and Dago, Dago and South Pass, they host these illumination lectures that happen in South Pasadena Lodge. I don't know if they're going to start them up again. I oh, hope win, they do. Win. But sure if they you will. do have a chance to go to any of those lectures, yeah. I suggest yeah. you go to Always them. Get. Always get. That's where you're going to find your people. Yeah. We've met several of our friends like Kristen, just Robert cruising. Safari. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a all bunch of, of brothers people. that, you know, yep. friends that, that go out there and we just have a good time listening. Like the last one that we went to was to with Mitch Horowitz. Yeah, we spoke that we spoke awesome. spoke to Mitch, right. hung out with him. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. That guy Mitch is, is a good guy. I, I love the way he lectures. It's he's he's the best at it. From from what I've seen right now out there, he's he's it. He's, he's, it. he's, he's the, it the way right he now. speaks. And how much passion comes out of them, yeah. you know? The lectures begin September at South Pasadena. Well, there Sweet. you go. Look at that. Summary yeah, yeah. of Ruff Ashlar new. All right. Thank so, you, Ruff Ashlar 357. I want to say thank you to Mr. Brother Joe Martinez. And we look forward to meeting you again. And uh, does anybody else have anything to bring to the table? If I can jump in really yes. quick before you guys do your outros and all that, I just want to say thank you again to all the viewers. Um, thank and, you. And, and Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, something that you can do if you specifically jump into Twitch, which is why we do push that. Um, I am Baphomet did it, and we thank you very much. Is you can actually host the show on your own channel while you're watching what? it. So if you actually have a following on your Twitch, like you didn't just create it specifically to watch us, you have a following you think that they may enjoy what we are talking about, you can host the show and it'll get them out to your people as well. Just kind of helping us out, getting more views and stuff like that. So wow. Thank you. We do appreciate that. We do appreciate that very, very much. much. So James, do you have anything else to say? <sighs> Seek, read, look for more, man. There's more out there. Get out of the box. Don't live in box. Ronnie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And that'll be us, and that'll be all. And thank you, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank, thank you, everybody. Week. Thanks. Later, guys. Later.